This is Anne Fremantle introducing another of WNYC's PEN, P-E-N, portraits. What is PEN, P-E-N? PEN is an independent world association of writers. The initials, PEN, stand for poets, playwrights, essayists, editors, novelists, and by implication of the initials, for all writers. PEN was founded in 1921 in London by John Galsworthy, who became its first international president. American PEN was founded in 1922, with Booth Tarkington as its first president. The present president of International PEN is the old novelist B.S. Pritchett. The present president of American PEN is the young novelist Jerzy Kosinski. PEN has over 80 centers in 60 countries of Europe, North and South America, Asia and Africa. World membership is around 10,000. American PEN, which has its headquarters in New York but draws its members from all over the United States, has 1,500 members. Membership is by invitation of the membership committee, extended to published writers of demonstrative accomplishment. What is PEN for? What does PEN do? PEN exists to promote worldwide friendship and intellectual cooperation among men and women of letters. PEN is a purely literary association, working in a practical way on all matters of concern to writers generally, better protection of literary copyrights, better deals for translators, workshops for beginning writers in underprivileged areas, lectures and receptions for foreign authors coming here. Jerzy Kosinski has just announced that the Ernest Hemingway Foundation Award of $3,000 for the best first novel by an American published during the previous year will be given presented by Penn. The new award is donated by the Ernest Hemingway Foundation, established by Penn member Mary Hemingway in memory of her husband. This award is the latest expression of Penn's concern for the plight of the beginning writer, who has increasing difficulty finding a publisher and readers. Penn has no politics, but it is against the imprisonment of writers for political reasons, and Penn members in the Penn Charter pledge themselves to oppose any form of suppression of freedom of expression in the country and community to which they belong. Penn is therefore against all censorship of the written word. Talking today over WNYC radio under the auspices of Penn are two very distinguished women writers indeed, Elizabeth Hardwick and Elizabeth Spencer. They are going to discuss the relationship of geography to genius. Both these ladies come from the South of these United States. The South of these United States is an area very rich in writers. Elizabeth Hardwick was educated at the University of Kentucky and at Columbia University. She is Professor of English at Barnard and has had a Guggenheim Award and the George Jean Nathan Award for Dramatic Criticism. And she is an editor of the New York Review of Books. Her most recent book published by Random House is Seduction and Betrayal. Elizabeth Spencer was born in Carrollton, Mississippi where her family on both sides had lived since the 1830s. She went to Belhaven College in Jackson, Mississippi, and to Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. Her first book, Fire in the Morning, was published in 1948, and she started that same year to teach at the University of Mississippi. She won an award from the National Institute of Arts and Letters, and in 1953, a Guggenheim, which took her to Italy for two years. One result was the very successful novella, The Light in the Piazza which was published in 1960. Her most recent novel is The Snare, published by McGraw-Hill. Elizabeth Hardwick, essayist and critic, and Elizabeth Spencer, novelist, are going to address themselves to the relationship of geography to genius. Is it just chance that the South has produced such wonderful writers? 
which of you is going to answer that one? Who wants to go first? Shall we draw <laughs> straws? <laughs> well, you can start if you want to. People used to always ask me that question, and I, in turn, would ask other Southern writers what they thought about it, because, like most questions, it can be generalized about, and anybody's answer is a good one. Undeniably, there were a great many writers at one time from the South. There still are a great many. And whether we were all geniuses or not is another debatable and constantly interesting point, but a great deal of talent was writing from the South beginning in the 1920s and continuing through the present. The person I asked about it was also a novelist, and what he said was, in a deep Mississippi drawl, nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> what so, do you think of that? Well, uh, that's a lovely answer, but writing's too, <laughs> too hard work. Well, I, I've uh, given a little bit of thought to this, coming from downtown to down here, which yeah. is about as much time, takes as much time as yeah. one ever has for thought. Yeah. Well, I have this idea, Elizabeth, that it, uh, the thing that's interesting historically about where these things happen, like Florence and Athens and why you don't have a, or Germany for music and why it doesn't happen in England, that they had a great period of, uh, of uh, either painting, perhaps like Italy, or music as it happened in Germany. I don't, you can't ever answer those, but one thing it seems to me that one or two outstanding persons in any of the arts seems to open up the possibilities for others because you always feel there are hundreds of people writing or painting. There must have been thousands of people painting in Florence, don't you think, Anne, and sculpting. But because there are these periods where there is a kind of anesthesia, I got interested in this subject in wondering why in these uh, lectures I give on women writers sometimes, why you're always talking about French, English, and American, and why there were no great women writers doing the great, like in Russia during the period, great period of the Russian novel, and we had to wait till almost the 20s for the great women Russian poets. Well, this sort of sleep of possibility, mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. the anesthesia of ambition has something to do with it. Mm -hmm. Going back to the South, I personally feel, remembering uh, the South, that uh, the South was not a very great creative field during the big New England period. Mm -hmm. And I think, truly, it was really William Faulkner and a lesser writer, even like... Um, Erskine Caldwell, whom everyone read in the 30s and 40s, and even the critics, uh, starting then with the agrarians and so on. I have the feeling that that made it possible for other people to think about their experience uh, for the generations that came later. What do you think? Well, uh, some people uh, trace this spurt of activity to the uh, uh, shaking of the foundations and stirring one out of this anesthesia, this sleep that came with the First World War. There was a great spirit of creative energy generally in America. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you mentioned William Faulkner. Well, he was associated in the beginning 
with in New Orleans with uh, Ernest Hemingway and Sherwood mm-hmm. Anderson, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. the contact between a sleeping society and another society that maybe was waking up in another way mm-hmm. maybe brought the spark in, mm-hmm. started the mm-hmm. whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. but uh, certainly if we get back to geography, the sense of place, which is what I relate geography to in relation to talent, because. Uh, the sense of place entered firmly in a realistic sense into Southern fiction and is almost the trademark of Southern fiction. Mm -hmm. Certainly the people themselves, the great characters in Southern fiction are shaped by the place. I think almost all the climate, the place, the struggle with the land, the land basis. Race relations creating tension uh of some uh kind, uh yes. uh And the the playwrights too. I mean, you get someone like Tennessee Williams, mm-hmm. don't you? You have it permeating mm-hmm. his, his play. I still don't think that can be the uh, the sort of base to which you go back, since all people do have a sense of place and history and yeah. all that. Uh-huh. And I'm I fascinated. Know. I don't think there's any answer by these historical outcroppings mm-hmm. in certain countries, yes, and but and why they lack others. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have the great poetry, English poetry, in various periods, mm-hmm. and uh, not a, you don't have that in Russia. No. Uh, at mm-hmm. the, certainly not as early, but even later, there are just mm-hmm. one or two figures. And you never have really great painting or music in England, ever. No, nothing to, nothing to compare yeah. with. There are always great French figures, yeah. which are yeah. very dear yeah. to you, yeah. of course, yes, in every yes, country, yes. but... Uh, I just don't know. I still feel this possibilities opening up by some transcendent person or persons. Mm-hmm. I never would have thought I would have. Th- well, I think so. Oh, no, no, Catherine no, Ann Porter is the same age that he is. And both Faulkner and Catherine Ann Porter are more international than people remember. Oh, yes. I they connect with I the 20s, yeah. with uh-huh. uh, all that was going on oh, there. Oh, yeah. I don't really believe in regional writing in I the know. sense that uh, you draw a boundary around this and say it pertains to the region that's enough. Now yes. You just learn about the yeah. work and the re- No, the work has to transcend the region. Yes, yes except you somehow do Somehow have... you have the tree roots going that's into this right. soil and mm-hmm. not into something. You do have purely regional writing that's like, like Burns in Scotland who's hardly, mm-hmm. hardly legible mm-hmm. to anyone who isn't yes. Scots mm-hmm. or those those uh, Langues Duc or whatever mm-hmm. they are, those poets in mm-hmm. France yes. uh, yeah. who, who well, write... that's a language uh, which is an odd language of, of yeah. their own. Yeah. Uh, but apart from that, um, you, do you think that the Still, climate um, builds up like a thunderstorm and then erupts into human beings? Well, well I mean the human climate, yeah. not the weather. Well, no, I, meant, I actually meant, but, yeah. I, meant well, both. I, don't, I don't think it's that marked, really. Mm-hmm. Maybe you think it is. In well, they have storms in other parts. Yeah. <laughs> and Indiana oh, has the most awful summers. <laughs> I've uh, been there a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the uh, well. What about the sort of woman thing? Fascinates me. Because uh, they were in this sort of anesthesia of ambition everywhere for a very long time. But people have you mean women. We, writers, we were writers, writers, women writers. writers. I see. I mean, because there are not so many yeah. up mm-hmm. until really fairly recent mm-hmm. times, but. Mm-hmm. They did sort of build on each other. I know that, that, for instance, I know that George Eliot was very interested in Harriet Beecher Stowe, mm-hmm. and they're worlds apart in talent, mm-hmm. but the idea 
of someone making a success at writing. Mm-hmm. I don't mean it, the success in the crude sense, but creating things and doing it through literature. And I know the Brontes, for instance, were very knowledgeable about who had written certain things, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, know. one builds on the other. And when Margaret Fuller went to Europe, she ran to George Sand's house and threw herself down in front of the door. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was only worship of a woman. It's opening up these possibilities mm-hmm. of... Mm-hmm. Uh, that you, you know, have a tradition to build on. A in other tradition. Words, other people have gone before. There's the literary well, tradition the plus southern, the tradition uh, the of the woman. The southern tradition is directly related to the Scots and English tradition. Because yes. most of us were Scots and yes. English, were we not? And uh, I guess uh, our houses were full of books by Jane Austen, George mm-hmm. Eliot. I'm just well, thinking of this since you, you mentioned really it. Do you really believe I'm, that? Huh? Do you really believe that they were? And I think that I've always, I always thought was, that. But <laughs> Well, <laughs> individuals were, but more than any place else, I don't think so. Oh no, I mean that since uh, we were descended from those, mm-hmm. that society mm-hmm. about which those books were written, the society mm-hmm. itself we were reading about, mm-hmm. didn't seem too much different in its mores mm-hmm. and conversation mm-hmm. from our own. I know Middle March. Uh, if you uh, make allowances for the different historical uh, background and maybe the uh, persistence of a rainy climate that many of these relationships are almost like families mm. that I was mm. brought up with. Mm. Seems yes. like to me. You had people as hurried as Mr. Casabon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as stupid as that. Yeah. <laughs> Writing his little theology of, yeah, could have been a Presbyterian oh, minister, I remember, <laughs> home. But anyway, <laughs> I remember when I first started writing, I was a bit seven, eight years old, and this got to be a persistent and rather bad habit that they thought about taking me somewhere to see if they could cure. <laughs> Not really, I'm kidding. <laughs> My uncle used to walk in the house from the country, and I would be. Uh, scribbling away in some corner of the house and he'd say, where's Georgie? And of course the relationship everybody understood was to George Eliot. How marvelous. And so oh, they already had to have this explained because oh, they were afraid wonderful. they had one of these creatures on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, then you get a sort of shift away in our times a little bit from the southern novelist to the what you call the New York school, sort of Jewish novelist. I was going to ask you about Jews because they uh, have... They, 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 they took up where we writing. left off. It so, seemed like to me that in predominance so, in the American scene, yeah. do you think so? I, I can't explain. So. To me too. Are they being asked to explain now why they suddenly exploded well, they into no literature? I mean, mm-hmm. They have no place. Until Israel, they had no geography. Mm-hmm. Well, this so, is mostly New York, but not entirely because mm-hmm. you have Saul Bellows yeah. from Chicago Chicago, Chicago and mm-hmm. uh, other, uh, it's not entirely New York. And how does one account for them in this mm-hmm. geography I don't genius? know. I, well, theirs is more that the emergence suddenly of mm-hmm. uh, a great many novelists of mm-hmm. certainly the front rank of, mm-hmm. of what's going on now, and story writers and all kinds of writers, playwrights, everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, nothing to geography. Well, I well I do think there was any geography. It's for urban work largely, and it's New York. Even if you're from Chicago, I mean, Saul Bellow's dangling man set in New York sees the day mm-hmm. set in New York, mm-hmm. and uh, so there song. is this. It's the sort of intellectual and creative climate of New York, strongly influenced by European fiction. 
I very think so too. Much so. Mm-hmm. The Jewish mm-hmm. fiction mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. much so, mm-hmm. and uh, so that, that that's another kind of Especially phenomenon. Russian. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of our time, it's as if they were carrying on the Russian tradition in the novel. In I think this so. Way. I don't know. I why. think so much more in a sense Partisan than you can imagine. That I was thinking mm-hmm. that when I was thinking this morning, mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. interest in Europe and all that. The uh, I think this is all dying down a bit mm-hmm. with the sort of pulverization of the regions. With TV, oh, I think so too. cars, TV, radio. We can almost radio. draw a circle around yeah. the southern environment. Yeah. Except you're getting the Latin Americans suddenly coming up. From That's them. right. Certainly they are. Right. Who are very there regional. You are. I mean, you get That's a man right. like Carlos Fuentes, mm-hmm. yes. who, is, who is essentially a Mexican, mm-hmm. Mexico City. Mm-hmm. You get someone like Garcia Marquez, mm-hmm. who is essentially, his, his little, his Macombo has become a, a place we all mm-hmm. now know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So again, mm-hmm. geography is terribly important mm-hmm. with those geniuses. Mm-hmm. Yes, it and is. Also, emergent. a long history and tradition. I don't mm. know nothing yes. about it to talk yeah. about. Yes, mm. oh, four four hundred year tradition. I mean, mm-hmm. Sor Juana mm-hmm. wrote very good poetry in the mm-hmm. beginning of the seventeenth century mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in Latin America. Mm-hmm. So you have mm-hmm. you have that tradition coming out suddenly mm-hmm. now, and, and mm-hmm. it's a mixture of, ge- of geography and genius, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which is very curious. And one person. Especially, I think Latin yeah. America builds on another very much, and uh, the possibilities. Who is your big figure there? Oh, Elizabeth, Garcia Marquez. Uh, Maybe and, uh, Marquez. And Octavio Paz. Octavio Paz. I don't know. You see, not, I like Vargas the best yeah. of all. Well, that's my well, favorite. Well, I like terrific. <laughs> but uh, yeah. the only thing is, you talked about one big figure opening this up, but it wasn't until later that. Most people, maybe there were some souls who saw. Well, I think Vargas gave the spark. See that Faulkner was. Merging of both right. others, I know. and maybe that uh, maybe we make him too much of a giant. But mm-hmm. the point is that now the South American writers seem to be more on a level. But does someone remark? You say it's mm-hmm. yes. Well, I'm sure Borges gave the gave uh, is the Faulkner, mm-hmm. so to speak, of, of uh, well, maybe. maybe I don't yeah. know because he's mm-hmm. not really a novelist. No, no that's yeah. true. But as a genius, but then certainly. they have yes, and as a sort of inter- they're very international in some they funny are. way. The Latin Americans yeah. they uh-huh. seem to be very much influenced by the French, mm-hmm. like Machado d'Assise reminds me of certain French novels. And some novelists. of them go to Paris instead Cortazar. of going to, mm-hmm. to Madrid. They seem to go That's and right. live in Paris. Yes. Cortazar, the younger uh, Argentinian, lives in Paris. I think, and his novels are half about our, everyone I've yeah. read has half Argentina, half mm-hmm. Paris. Well, they're I think more influenced by Europe than by North yeah. America. Mm-hmm. Perhaps there's some resentment. This is a man's forth. world, is it, Elizabeth? There are no women among these. Well, no, there are. They I've are. been in South America, but there are none that. Well, they they've had people win the Nobel Prize. Well, Gabrielle yes. Mistral. Oh, I don't know yes. how good Nobel she was. Yes. Maybe <laughs> she, maybe they wanted to give it to Latin America then. But yeah, they have a lot of writers. Uh, nobody that's come. Well, there I, I know some in Brazil because mm-hmm. I've been there and uh, several times in the past. And uh, each country, of course, has them. But there's no woman writer that I know yeah. of that has the international uh-huh. prestige of the others. Of yeah. the others no. we've mentioned, no. I haven't heard of. Them. But it's no. interesting because now, for instance, India has just started having very exciting novels coming out of India, and that never happened before. before mm-hmm. Really, before emancipation, did it? Mm-hmm. I mean, before. Mm-hmm. The, British got out, and then suddenly you get a flurry of good writing. Uh, 
Uh, I'm sure every country has its great geniuses and its blatant uh, Well, also, I mean, if you knew Finnish, you'd be just so turned on by their best poet and oh, their I best see. story. You would. And Polish. <laughs> I think I'd be so met. exhausted having learned Finnish. No, I, I meant if you were a Finn, if yeah. you were from Finland. Yes, yes. I feel that it's these small languages are pushed out mm-hmm. and their the literature never becomes yes, known. Mm-hmm. I know when if you meet Polish literary people and all that there. Well, Sienkiewicz, of course. Oh, they just feel so strongly that we have these poets, even mm-hmm. Holland feels that nobody knows Probably about them. Probably the great them. fortune of the Irish was that they weren't writing in Gaelic. I yes. Mean, right. How much was I couldn't they agree more. Scattered yes. it all and over the world instead of Cutting just, themselves uh, off. They're connected with yeah, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. an important dominating uh-huh, language. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. That's very important. Uh-huh. How the Russians did it they did not have a dominating language mm. when the period starting mm. around 1840 of their well, they had French, didn't they? Yes, but they, they wrote in French. Russian. Yeah. But, but they spoke French, and I think right. they had people who translated them, connections right. with France. Yes, I think you're true. quite right. You have to have a connection with a geographical area mm. which is international. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think the Russians, you see, you were talking about Poland, but the Polish writers have maybe as good as the Russian, but we don't know, yeah. because they didn't have the connection, mm-hmm. except mm-hmm. Sienkiewicz. I've noticed uh, in living in Canada, in Quebec province, that any French writer in the French-Canadian community that rises above a certain level is taken and given prizes in France and often mm-hmm. moves to France. And, really? And How so, the, you know, mm-hmm. there's this dissemination of this person's work. Yeah. So the French are very aware of their yes. lost province there, which yes. <laughs> yes. is in a way yeah. still theirs. And you have... More the than the English Canadians are. I always feel so sad about their lack of real joy in each other and feeling what a wonderful strange place in the new world half French half English I've just been there There, nobody seemed to be studying French in the schools and the parts I went to to Queen's University Mm. most English place you can imagine yeah, uh-huh. Kingston, Ontario. Oh, yeah. well, Ontario's our English province. appalled by the lack of uh-huh. anything. French, the children of professors uh-huh. were not studying French. Isn't it boring that you they could come do to Quebec that? province next time. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's one of the very interesting points, too, that whether a, a second language opens a window or shuts it, Mm. Because um, sometimes being bilingual can be a, uh, a bad thing. I mean, I think in, in India, for instance, until the British left, the fact that all Indians learned English didn't help their writing. But now mm. they've got their freedom, and it, it isn't the language of the mm-hmm. conqueror. They've gone through that. Uh, they've gone area, through that, and, and now uh-huh. it's become uh, it's yeah. it's it's uh-huh. an open window instead yes. of a shut one. Mm-hmm. That's but, an interesting um, case, isn't it? it? it, it I think it, it, it uh, can, can cut both ways, yes. the, the, the double language and the double... Mm. Well, like the, the Irish who tried to go back to Gaelic, and what a flop that mm. was. Mm. Absolutely mm. terrible. I mean, they, nothing was written in it, and um, it, uh, it finally petered out even in schools. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't mm. dig it up and resurrect it. But you haven't yet answered why some places <laughs> don't I mean, why some geography does not produce genius? Well, I think Elizabeth's done a very good job of serving <laughs> it. There's talent latent, well, as I understand her to say. You've both you done a wonderful job saying why. You need the spark. You need Some maybe the person of genius, too. Who sort of makes it and possible. And these kind of like a 
Well, polka hands. <laughs> and then <laughs> some of these people set the themes yeah. even sometimes. I mean, a certain way, yeah, yeah. tell you what's there. What's you there, know? that you and didn't know. And you find that you can see your own little corner mm. of what's there. Siberia now. Siberia is a very large country. Canada is a very oh, large country. Uh, there are large, those enormous countries, mm. enormous countries. Mm. And on Not the whole... Not heavily populated, though. So sheer space doesn't seem to matter so no. much, do you think? That's right. The, uh, There's a lot of the Canadian Arctic, but, you know, mm. it's just amazing that you get some Eskimo carving out of it because there's not much else that mm. could happen. Reindeer. Mm. I suppose there are some, some Siberian epics. You probably need to connect with cities in some way. Like, mm. I consider the Southern Rise a part of the whole eastern seaboard sort of thing. You don't wouldn't say so, I mean, starting from Virginia and goes down and up mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. Seems to me that mm-hmm. it connects somehow with the whole mm-hmm. eastern. Mm-hmm. It does to me, maybe that's because we've always gone back up and down mm-hmm. the coast, you know, all of us, rather yes, than going up to Lake Of course, there's Le- a whole Lake lot of small-town literature, though, in the whole United States, of course, and I always think that Sherwood Anderson's meeting with Faulkner was very significant, because you'd never know that Hemingway and Faulkner knew each other, That's or, right. but you would mm-hmm. know that Sherwood Anderson and Faulkner did, because Sherwood Anderson was already digging at, realistically, at the roots of right. small-town life, mm-hmm. and uh, Faulkner began to dig at the roots of his small town life and struck the mm-hmm. whole uh, mm-hmm. instead of just one or two vines, he struck the whole yeah. Yacht and Patoff saga mm-hmm. out of that. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me there's a whole literature of the small town. And that, I think that's the south and uh, mm-hmm. just as it was in England with, with but before it was our plantation life. You know, Thomas Nelson Page and those people they wrote a bit. Mm-hmm. The old plantation over mm-hmm. and over again. Right? And they were conscious of writing That's a sort of history of right. keeping a kind mm-hmm. of a document, mm-hmm. I always feel. A romanticized world. Yeah, and this is what it's like mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as if they were travelers themselves mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Whereas Faulkner was trying to create a great fiction, mm-hmm. a great yes, world yeah. fiction, mm-hmm. obviously, out mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. materials mm-hmm. of his own mm-hmm. life and place. Yes, I, 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 I was in England in, uh, just growing <coughs> up in 1928 when the first Faulkners came to England, and the excitement of yeah. this e- overwhelming genius. Yeah. In my lifetime, there hadn't been anyone like that. Hardy <coughs> was all right, but we, I mean, Hardy's not on the same street as Faulkner. Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> Didn't they remark James Joyce? Sorry, value judgment are not allowed. <laughs> But I mean, to a young per- to a young person, uh, that the Faulkner was the the overwhelming <laughs> genius at the right, time. Right, well, I think you've both done a marvelous job describing um, how geography and genius do interact. We just sort of circled the subject. I think <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it certainly is a very interesting connection, and I hope perhaps um, one some of you will come back to it as a as a subject. It's one that interests mm-hmm. me enormously. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Elizabeth Hardwick, and thank you very much, Elizabeth Spencer, for discussing on WNYC, under the auspices of PEN Pen, the relationship of geography to genius. Elizabeth Hardwick's latest no- book is Seduction and Betrayal, published by Random House. Elizabeth Spencer's latest novel is The Snare, published by McGraw-Hill. Thank you both very much. <laughs>